Hello, testing, 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 testing. Hello, I'm Paul McNally, and welcome to DVD Extras. This is the partner podcast for Alibi. Today, I'm joined by some very special guests. I'm going to get to them in a minute. But first, I just want to thank everyone for signing up to our newsletter. You can do this at alibipodcast.substack.com or on our website, alibipodcast.com. So there are people that have signed up for the free newsletter and also there are paid members. Now, I know it's not a good time to be asking for money, but we want to fund a third and hopefully fourth season of Alibi. And the only way for us to do this is to ask for paid membership. Join me for my conversation with Gwinch Sarame and Freddie Mabisela. Freddie was the host on the first season of Alibi, and Gwinch has been the technical producer. He does the mixing, mastering, and some of the editing on season one and two. They both are fully dedicated to this project. They've put in so many hours and so much work, and it's a pleasure reconnecting with them and talking to them about the project. I'm down in Cape Town, and I'm dialing in to them in Johannesburg in the Voice of Vit studio. Okay, so how are you guys doing? Maybe we should start there. How are you doing? Yo, it, it's been insane. Uh, the lockdown has been insane. Um, I remember just surviving off uh, voiceovers for the longest time. Um, things were down. There was no other way of making income. And the other insane part was being locked in lockdown in Joburg um, and having to live in an apartment and this the space felt even smaller each day uh but as things are uh, relaxed you know things became better i would say okay and how about you Gwench? how have you been look i've been okay um a little bit better than freddie and and i speak out of um from a point of privilege really uh in the sense that economically you know i i wasn't disturbed much but i think mentally um that's where i was um hit hard um, you know, I think as with everyone, you know, it, it was really just a a a mind funk, uh, <laughs> to say the least. Um, but I mean, otherwise, you know, just going through therapy sessions here and there. I had a few sessions um, when the hot lockdown came through. I had a few sessions online, and then I continued with those sessions into 2021 and my last session was actually november 2021 yeah and i've been in a better space since and all this because of the lockdown and not being able to do the things that uh, one was used to being doing you know okay okay and you found that the therapy helped it helped because sometimes you want to vent Mm. and you want to talk to someone but Mm. all your friends are going through the most so you can't necessarily call you know freddy and like you're freddy I'm just going through, you know, this, I need to vent because Freddie's going through the same thing. So <laughs> I needed to find, nice. you know, someone that wouldn't necessarily, you know, be in that space. So um, therapy that I got through, you know, the university worked out quite a lot because at least, you know, there was help that was offered. As I said, my last session was November 2021. So I've been uh, in a better space. Okay, well, let's start there. Like the, at the university, 
let's start at the university. You work still for Vits, right? And can you tell me a little bit where you are? Because I'm in Cape Town, but where are you guys? So I still work for the radio station Voice of Vits. I still uh, produce for them um, audio-wise. And recently... I got to um, upskill myself and um, work into uh, dealing with infrastructure now. And and you, Freddie, we met through Val. We met through Voice of Vits. Yeah, I, I can remember you were still producing for the Science Inside, and um, and that's where I met you, Paul, uh, through just having rapport develop uh, around the station, and eventually you called me through to work on Alibi. And I'm sure people can hear from your very luxurious voice how it differs <laughs> from mine and Gwinch's. Uh, you say you've been doing voiceovers through the pandemic. What is your life like now in terms of voiceovers and, and being an actor and, and all the work that you do? Um, now I'm even just uh, working on other projects. I have an NPO. Uh, it's called the Lady of Peace Organization and We've been uh, doing some dialogues on peace and uh, peace building, also inspired by the violence that ensued during the lockdown of looting. So in, in counter to that too, we've been uh, just doing some work uh, and visiting some communities to really push out the, the message of having a well-managed conflict because, you know, peace is not the absence of conflict. So we just like, hey, let's talk better and let's sort things out a little better. That's been uh, my work thus far, Paul. Oh, that's fascinating. So what, mm. you go into communities and do you give them supplies and things like that? Or you guide them through certain things? Yeah, what, what, so what, what some, some communities would visit with supplies, especially if we're visiting schools uh, for children. I uh, would bring either sanitary pads and um, we would also do uniform supplies, but we also do like peace education and, and you know, talk about conflict resolution and, and started at that very young age to say, hey, uh, how do we address the subject of bullying? Um, how do you and your peers get along with one another? How do we learn to understand each other and learn to resolve conflict through dialogue and not uh, get into violence? Okay, that's fascinating. That's really cool. Let's talk a little bit about the production of Alibi. Um, it's been a, a few years now. Um, we had John on the podcast the other week, and he was very honest and very candid. How did you guys find it? Um, what did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? And what can you sort of share about it? Freddie first, because yeah. he was there first. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I found even more interesting post the production is just seeing how um, other people hasten to create uh, the, the, the content pieces, you know, for podcasting. So no one really thinks things through. And when it comes to soundscaping the podcast, uh, no one really puts as much effort as uh, we have shown in, 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 in putting together Alibi and, and I, I sort of uh, commend that about what we uh, achieved there to say, you know, there was a bit of thought in every piece. There was thought in the music. There's the thought in, in the editing and, and how the room is formed. There's more thought and time that was put into the scripting. And having to listen to other podcasts, uh, 
you can then just pick up a rushed work, you know. Like, ah. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Because it sounds more like radio packages that are just put online. And you're like, this was rushed. This was probably had a deadline. It, it was for on air tomorrow morning. Um, you know, it sounds more like an on air product than a, a podcast which uh, suggests that one would sit down and like a book different from a video on TikTok, you'd sit down and actually plan each page, you know? Brilliant, thanks. You found me at a place where I was only, you know, not even producing, but piecing together 20, 30 minutes podcasts that were just conversations that people recorded. And it's a, a, a thing of just putting it together, making it sound good in terms of level and then publishing it. But now, you know, I'm then introduced to Alibi and it's this, I I remember the green folder that you gave to me. I still have it, by the way. The mm -hmm. green folder with scripts of 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 all those episodes, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, what's going on here, mm -hmm. right? Am I supposed to go through the script first? But I mean, look, I think when I then got pulled in, and um, I do remember our conversation that we had. You said, look. There was uh, pre-production that was done, you know, and um, you'd like to actually do more of 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 production of uh, re-recording um, and of uh, remastering of the whole series. And I do remember one of the things that I picked up. I'm not sure if I did make mention um, this to you, Paul, but I actually picked up your irritation by the number of studios <laughs> that we we used because you found that one studio was actually acoustically bad and the next studio was actually excellent, but we couldn't go back to it. So so obviously when you we were editing and we were mixing and mastering it, you know, I could pick up the frustration of, no, man, this sounds different. And, and also thinking of the microphones that we used uh which is something that you know you were very big and and i i i got to understood that at a later stage and i think that you know the consistency that you wanted um in the episodes is is something that i got to appreciate at a later stage though and the later stage being i'm already mixing and i'm already mastering and i'm actually then picking these small and things up to then say Oh no, man! This is exactly what Paul was actually talking about because I could also hear the difference. But I mean, my experience with Alibi was just that you know, started off you know being in the back seat and thinking, but how am I going to do this? And actually being taken you know by a hand uh, by Paul to then say, no, relax, we're going to do it episode by episode, and everything is already pissed together. It's just a, a case of let's uh, mix and master and make sure that everything you know. Is, is is consistent, especially in terms of um, how it sounds. The bed, I do have bed, and I shared this with you, actually. <laughs> I shared Go this it, with yeah. you, that there was a point where I actually dreamt of myself being in studio, mixing and editing the episode. And and I think for, for two, three weeks on end that we were working on, on editing, I was just not having peaceful nights because when you're listening to something over and over yeah, again, yeah. like it ends up being part of you, right? Yeah, and true. it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so that was a bad, but the experience really of, because at the same time, pretty remember I meet Paul, he's working upstairs. I'm working downstairs. We've got our nine to five mm -hmm. and we're meeting after work. Yeah. So we worked throughout yeah. the day. Mm -hmm. And we still need to go back and sit 
for two, three, four hours. Yeah. Uh, and we also need to listen back to what we just did. Uh, and the first season was just that, listening back. But then one thing that really I would appreciate, well, I, I, I then appreciated at the end of, you know, mixing and mastering that session is, you know, the thought process. Mm. It's something that you spoke about, Freddie, the thought process that um, was put into um, the project and seeing how Paul would be able to, on his feet, you know, change things. You know, mm. like, but why are you changing this, Paul? <laughs> I'm done with this. And he's <laughs> like, no, 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 this has to change. And, and boy, we spent two, three hours. I'm tired. I'm frustrated <laughs> and, 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 and we need to change. I'm like, oh, no True. ways. No, no flipping ways. But also, look. It's also because of that consultative process yeah. that uh, Alibi had. You know, we, we had other editors who would come and, and give um, view. So in that essence, you understand that Paul was also not working as a, as a lone horse. So he was able to gather more intel from other people and then get a better view. Yeah. And and listen back and go like okay now nah, I I agree this has to change or get an idea of what has to change uh, in each episode and that's that's the quality um, that's that's missing in a lot of podcasts people don't want to do that consultative process don't want to take their time to build the product I wanted to ask you guys what you thought of the the story side of it like it's obviously very violent and um, you know quite upsetting parts of the story. And I think what happened to me was from re-listening to it again and again, I kind of became desensitized to that, right? So when some people talk to me about it, like, oh, that's so upsetting, like how that man was in jail or, you know, or the violence of the shooting, you're like, oh yeah, I guess that is also part of that story. <laughs> I mean, what what uh, what did you guys think? And did you have that same experience did you, you know, become desensitized to it? What did you think about it when you first heard about the actual story? When I first when I first encountered the script, I, I surely even came back to you and I said, Paul, this is amazing. Because that's what I saw. I was like, this is an amazing story. I still think of it that way. It's still my favorite story to tell. Like if someone asked me about alibi, I'm just like ready to swallow my spit and start talking. I'm like, all right. So, <laughs> like, you haven't heard nothing. There's this guy called Anthony de Vries, you know. And uh, <laughs> the, the fact that it is true and it is truly a sad story, um, I get to see it also on, 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 the, on people's reactions to it as you tell them the story. And you're like, yeah, you should definitely check it out. So this guy, yeah, yeah, he was. So this guy was really gone. He was in prison, but yeah, he was in prison. Oh no! And and he only got parole later. Yeah, he only got parole later. You have to hear it out, though. There's there's a lot more uh, detail. You know, my media brain was just like, man, this is a good story. This has good folds. This has good turns. I I, I first viewed it um, in that spirit. Okay, brilliant. Grinch, what did, did you have anything to say about that? Yeah, so I mean, uh, as I said, the first thing that you gave me was the folder with uh, scripts. And um, like any other non-movie-watching person, mm. you sometimes go to the end <laughs> and then come back. And that's exactly what I did. I went to the last script, went through it very quickly, and when I realized that, A, there's light at the end of the tunnel, then I went back. 
But I think for me, that was one of those stories where it's it happened in my lifetime, where it's nothing that you are seeing or you are being told about from someone that's not in Africa even, you know, because a lot of these stories, I mean, we can even tell now. There's quite a lot of these stories happening overseas, but it's a story that happened in my backyard because Annadale is not far from where I am. And and it's a story that I was involved in in putting it together and and making sure that whoever will be listening to the story would 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 be able to go through the journey. And as I said, I started at the end and went back. But there were moments, you know, in the story where, you know, although I knew the ending, it was the weirdest thing. There were moments in the story where I thought, no man, nothing is gonna come out. Well, nothing good is going to come out of this because of the twists and turns, you know, having to realize that we didn't get full information, having to realize that Paul needed to go back and be like, but you lied to me, you know, why did you lie? And then only later on to then find out, no, it's it was just, you know, information that was not given. The information was there. So it was really a roller coaster of a ride for me, but it was a fantastic story. Um, I cannot lie. And for it to be a true story, um, when I told my family about the project and we listened to it every Sunday, I saw in their eyes what I experienced when I was mixing it and mastering it in the studio. Brilliant. And we uh, won an award. I don't think we should forget that, right? <laughs> Look, we shouldn't. We we are uh, an award-winning team. Um, <laughs> uh, national and uh, regional. Um, yeah. What was won. it like that 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 evening when we won? What 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 was it like, Freddie? What what was you? I mean, there's a wonderful photo of you yeah. that looks like you are fist pumping the universe. <laughs> um, what was it? What was it like for you when we uh, won that? That was a beautiful moment because I sort of said it from the beginning. I, I just had so much confidence in the story. I said, man, we're going to win an award for this. Um, and when it finally happened, you know, it 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 was so amazing. It it almost brought me to a tear. That's why I was fist bumping the the universe, and I was like, "Yes, finally, I said it. It's a good story. It's been put well. Look, hey, look. If ever I could win it again, <laughs> I could keep winning again and again because, you know, we we truly did uh, stumble upon gold there. The 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 whole production the music really sets the mood and i had missed for a while hearing radio that's produced like that having also grown up being someone who enjoyed listening to radio drama i understood the soundscaping a bit more and i was like man that's what i'm talking about you know yeah. taking that imagery to the next level to really give the images i i, I enjoyed that and that's why i was so confident going to the awards. I got I got nervous though, looking at the nominations that we were going against. Um, yeah, I had a shadow of doubt right at that moment. Before that, I was confident until <laughs> they mentioned the nominations and, and I said, whoa, wait, these nominees are quite uh, strong contenders. These are good stories too. Um, you know, maybe we don't have the ultimate story. <laughs> Grinch, what do you reckon? You got anything to add on that? Yeah. Look, let me start here, Paul. Um, let me start by 
when you sent through in the group the regional award first yeah before the national because that was the first um our uh piece of award that we received for the project oh, yeah. and you sent it in the group number one i wasn't even aware that you know we had entered for the Vodacop um journalist of the year award and when you sent through the plaques yeah that we had won <laughs> i was like no ways uh i was shocked um simply because here's the thing paul throughout my schooling career even now the people that I look up to who are audio engineers are well into their 50s, mm. right? They are well into their 50s. They've got vast of experience behind their name. They've got years and years of years of them doing what they do and me looking up to them. But here is a 22-year-old yeah. that's still looking up to someone uh, and he now is an award-winning, you know, upcoming nice. audio engineer, yeah. Right. Then we get the invitation to the national awards. Then it's a, oh no, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. What's going on right now? And <laughs> and I do remember this when the nominees were rolling, how they announced it. Um, it was something along the lines of the work that was done throughout the years to help free a man. That's when mm. uh, I think we all at that point mm. in time um, on the table yeah. realize that actually that was us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we're the only people that actually <laughs> somewhat, oh you know, told the story about <laughs> a man that was freed at the end of the day. And it was years and years of work that you put in and hours and hours of the work that, you know, we had to also put in in the studio and lock. And I mean, uh, one of the things that I forgot to mention is uh, Paul and I used to leave the studio around midnight, 1 a.m., <laughs> Uh, and then we had to actually come back Yo. the following day for our nine to fives. Yeah. Um, and and from that thing, um, I then understood why we actually won the award. Because mm. thinking back of the, the whole process and the amount of work and time and dedication that Paul came uh, with. And I had to also quickly adjust to be on the same level. Hey. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks so much, you guys. Um, is there anything else? Any like final thoughts on the process or on on the project in general, Freddie? Any other final thoughts? It still haunts me, man. I still I still wish to produce something better. Um, some people would tell me like, so "What? Why haven't you put out a podcast?" And I was like, "Man, I don't know. It's just it's just not it's not the same." <laughs> you know? It, yeah. It, it's it's really left me with. Uh, somewhat a, a a performance anxiety when it comes to producing a podcast or or putting or putting my name on a podcast and saying this this is a podcast and this is what i produced i'm yeah. like if it's not on the same level I, I, yeah yeah i tend not to put my stamp on it i'm like yeah i might put my voice on it here and there but guys just don't worry it's okay how about you grinch look you know uh not wanting to sound repetitive but look paul i i must make mention of your storytelling ability and how even i was with you in studio when you were telling and narrating the story it's something that you know i'd rather sit and listen to the narration and i still have the picture without the supporting audio but through narration and i then come to understand that you know the writing process that you had to put in 
was something that you know is out of this world and to this day uh, those two plaques by the way are at home in the living room and <laughs> i make i made sure that when you come through the door it's the first you thing that you them. see <laughs> the first thing you see <laughs> yes. when you come through my door exactly right? so <laughs> so um i love the project i'm i'm still in love with it um you know i still listen to it as a matter of fact i still go through the session because i still have the sessions and you know looking at the session and um thinking about the final product i still get goosebumps you know one of the most beautiful things honestly that that also a piece to this whole project together uh freddie mentioned it i forgot was the music mm. and how dedicated mm. john was in making sure that each scene a scene change yeah. a storyline a piece of narration that paul is doing has its own emotion mm. and he mm. did that with music and 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 me having to mix that in at that point goosebumps Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, you guys. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you Thanks. very much, Paul. Thank you very much for the invitation. And uh, I hope that uh, we will be able to do more and more of the magic that we did. Awesome, man, Paul. Always a pleasure catching up. And that's my conversation with Gwynch and Freddie. I hope you enjoyed it. And this has been DVD Extras, the partner podcast for Alibi. I'm Paul McNally. Join me next time when we will go behind the scenes with some more people who have made Alibi possible. And remember, if you want to become a member of Alibi, please sign up on alibipodcast.com or alibipodcast.substack.com. That's where you can also sign up for our newsletter. It's the best way to do it. Do it through Substack. I'm a huge convert. It's the way to do it. Okay. Thank you very much. And I'll speak to you soon.